Turn to the person next to you and say, he's preaching at you. I'm probably not. I'm probably not. Um, you know, we've been on this journey through the series called In Due Time, and I'm pretty sure that next Sunday is going to be the last Sunday in that message. So um, but we're going to do a big wrap-up right now. And I, God shifted this just a little bit. I want you to find in your Bibles um, 1 Peter 5, 6. We've read this during the series. This is the verse where this series comes from. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. People watching online right now are scrambling back from the kitchen, dripping coffee as they run. 1 Peter 5, 6. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up when? In due time. In the Greek, that's a specific time. Specific time to you. In due time. And I, I read that and I thought, well, that's what we're going to be. We're going to be talking about that. And I was studying that whole chapter. And I was like, this is going to be great. We're going to talk about patience. People are going to love it. Because people love to talk about patience. And like in that chapter, it tells the older men to not lord it over the young people because, you know, like when you get power, you want to make things happen. So you got to have patience. And then it tells the young people to submit to the old people. Can I get an amen? amen. Depending on your age, right? Some of y'all are like all over the... But God woke me up early. I don't, I don't know. Is it Tuesday night? Is it Wednesday morning? How's that work? But it was like... Wednesday morning, like at 2 in the morning, right? And I woke up, and these words were going through my mind. And then the end will come. It's like, God, am I supposed to resign? What, what exactly does that mean? And I knew there was a verse in the Bible that talks about that, that exact phrase, and then the end will come. And so I got up Wednesday morning, and I turned to Matthew 24. Go ahead and turn there with me. Matthew chapter 24. And I started reading. And we're going to read the first 14 verses. And just like we did last week, I'm going to ask you to stand. Can we just honor God's word as we read this? Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 14. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? This is kind of like when you go to church and the pastor talks about stuff, and then when church is over, you, you find somebody and go, what was he talking about? I know y'all never do that. But they did. Verse 4, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. 
then you will be handed over to, the, to be persecuted and to be put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will, be, and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of your wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Father, right now, we just open our hearts to you. Um, Man, we want to hear from you. I don't even want to hear from myself. I just want to hear from you. Speak through me. Speak about your word. Encourage us, God, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can sit back down. Thank you so much for honoring God's word. So a couple things just, um, by the way, if you're a note taker, raise your hand if you're a note taker. This is your day, y'all. This is your day. I'm going to try to talk slow. There's a lot. Because when I started walking through this passage with the Lord, I mean, I couldn't write fast enough. I was just like, oh, wow, that's so good. I told Wendy the other day, if it's half as good today as it was just me and Jesus hanging out, this is going to be really good. But I want you to take some notes, okay? I'll try to talk slowly. I want you to notice first off in verse, verse 3, basically when the disciples said, tell us when will this happen, what they were saying was, when will we see the promise? Because he had just promised them something. He had just said, look, there's, there's an end coming. I'm going to return. And I know that this passage is about the end of time, the end when Jesus returns. I know it's about a specific event, but I believe that it also gives us some guidelines and some principles about what we do while we're waiting on a promise anybody here waiting on a promise yeah me too and so what they said was when will we see the promise and what first got my attention was when I started reading his answer and he talks about you'll be deceived people will claim to be me you'll hear wars and rumors of wars this is like the nightly news Don't be alarmed. Such things must happen. The end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There are famines and earthquakes in various places. And I'm just reading it going, God, this is terrible. And then he said, and this is just the beginning. Y'all, there's going to be pain. And here's, here's the big idea. Pain points to the promise. I've, I've shared with you a little bit about our birthing stories, right? But, like, I'll, I'll never forget driving from, from the doctor's appointment in Rock Hill all the way to Pineville as Wendy was in active labor in the car. And I can still see her sweet face as I made the astute observation as she screamed in pain. This must be the labor pains. She's like, are you? Are you <laughs> All right, I'll give you some labor pain. Like, we, we should be watching and waiting and knowing that as the pain intensifies, the delivery is closer, right? I, I don't know any of this stuff. I just know it's, you know, secondhand. But I can remember they, they had her hooked up to this thing, and this tape is 
spitting out. And it's not like stock prices, right? It's like you can see like when the contraction happens and then nothing and then and like stuff sounds like the baby's got gas. It's crazy in that room. But they would always come in and just measure how long had it been since the last contraction, right? And the closer they got, it was like, oh, this hurts a lot more. But we're going somewhere, right? We're, we're delivering. She's delivering, right? I like to think I was a part of that, but I had nothing to do with it, right? There will be pain first. So note takers, here we go. I'm just going to give you um, a, a number of pains that we will experience. And this is all before the promise, okay? You with me? This is, these are the beginnings of birth pains. This is before we get to the promise. These are some pains that we're going to experience. Um, verses 4 and 5, the pain of truth. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come claiming that I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Listen, that speaks to the pain of truth. Do you have people in your life who will speak truth to you even if you don't like it? That again. Do you have people in your life that will speak truth to you even if you don't want to hear it? Or is your life... is we talk about social media, right? But is social media a picture of your personal life where you only listen to people who agree with you? Maturity receives truth through a messenger they don't like. And truth causes pain. We, we say it like this at the gathering, that we need to have guardrails in our lives. Y'all drive, right? Don't point at them now, but just kind of blink twice and do that if you're sitting next to somebody who's a horrible driver, right? Guardrails were made for that person. So when you go around a curve, if, you, if you're going too fast, if you're not driving safely like some people we know, you're going to bump up into that guardrail, and it's going to damage your car, right? I don't speak from personal experience. I just have heard about this. And it's like the, the screeching and the sound of metal hitting metal. Like you hear all that and you instantly think two things. Ooh, this is going to be expensive and I'm alive. I'm not down the ravine, right? Guardrails cause damage but save lives. And so truth is that way, isn't it? I mean, you ever been in a place where you heard somebody speak truth and you were like, ooh, I don't think I like that. But boy, I think I needed it. And the other guardrail is transformation. Like truth should lead to transformation. Like we should always be reminded, am I changing? Am I changing? And if I'm not changing, I'm going over the edge. So th the pain of truth, that's part of the pain that points to the promise. Verse 9, the pain of persecution. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. So now, I, we've said this so much, I, I told you, like, just go back and listen to so many messages that God has had us speak leading to and through the pandemic. We've not experienced persecution yet, y'all. And, and if we think that this is persecution, we're going to struggle when real persecution comes. There is real persecution coming. There will be the pain of persecution and in that same verse, the pain of hate, you will be hated by all nations because of me. This is a hard one for America. 
because we like to be America. Like, we're the best nation. And I, I, I'm so thankful to live in America, but, like, we're going to be, as, as believers, hated by all nations because of Jesus. Like, we're going to go preach the gospel in the world full of nations that will hate us because of the Jesus we preach. That's pain. Do I have any Rocky fans in the room? Mr. T, what's your prediction for the fight? Pain. <laughs> well, it's fun for me, y'all. I don't know. It's fun for me. I got a lot of mo. I got a lot of mo. Verse 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. The pain of betrayal. Don't raise your hand if you felt that one, y'all. The pain of betrayal, like people that you have invested in and they have invested in you. We usually like to talk about like it's all on them and not on us. But like when a relationship fractures, there's pain of betrayal on both sides, right? And it's a hard pain. He talks about that, that there'll be a falling away. So think about this. The falling away has to lead to the pain of betrayal. Because they're people that you were near who now aren't there. Or they're still there and you're not there. It's not like the world will hate us. The, the church will betray us. And here, here's another one that you can all relate to so well. The pain of preaching. Because you're like, I'm feeling it right now. You're preaching and I'm feeling the pain. But he's not talking about me. He's talking about you. Look at verse 14. And this gospel will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Which nations? Oh, all the nations in verse 9 that hate you because of me. That's pain, y'all. Like, I don't, know, I don't know where it started that if you come to Jesus, everything gets better. Because to be totally honest with you, my life was pretty okay. I mean, outside of the anxiety, depression, panic, like all those things. But, like, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling bad about the stuff I was doing at first, you know. It's when you come to Jesus and now you're in his army. You've got an enemy, right? You're aware of it. His Holy Spirit is living in you and convicts you of, am I the only person who gets convicted by the Holy Spirit of sin? I cannot be the only person in this room who's watching stuff and then, like, you're just like, what am I doing, Right? And he's calling us to that place where we recognize that it's not going to be easy, but he wants us. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's you. He wants us to preach the gospel, not just bring them to church so they can hear Paul. But that's good, too, because if you bring them to our church and I'm preaching, they're going to hear the gospel. But he'd much rather them hear it in this place and out there through you. And when you preach it, there will be pain because those nations that we're sent to are rejecting us because of the message. And then the last one, it's not in a verse, it's just implied, is the pain of waiting. Who can relate to the pain of waiting? Right? Like I, I've, I've, I'm the worst at being late to renew my license. 
the worst. And I used to blame it on like, well, y'all didn't let me know. Now they send it to you, right? Months in advance. So I'm the guy that pulls in, and if I see people outside the door, I just keep driving, right? I don't want to wait in the DMV line. I'll just pay the fine. And I have, (laughs) right? Have you noticed that the length of the line and the length of the time that you're willing to wait has everything to do with what you're waiting for? I'm, a, I'm an amusement park guy. I will stand in line for a ride. And I think, I think we've timed ourselves before. Like, I think we've actually stood in line for over an hour for like a three-minute ride. You're crazy. But isn't it worth it? Because you're like on the ride going, oh, this is so good. I'm going to ride it again. And you get off and go back in the line, right? It's all about what you're waiting for. And it's all about how we wait. So here's what I want us to do as we speed to an end. I'm going to give you eight things. This is where you got to use your note writing skills, okay? Eight things, or just watch it again on YouTube. Because if we know that we're going to wait, here's the question. What do we do while we're waiting? What do we do while we're waiting? Um, This is huge, y'all, because one thing we don't have control over is how long will we wait. But we have control over how we wait. Um, I know we're talking about pregnancy, and they have a due date, but it's just it's a due it's a due guess, right? They they I think it's going to be this time. And so, like I told you, with the boys, they came seven weeks early, so we there was no waiting. It was just like they're here. Ooh, they fit in our hands. It was crazy. But with Sydney, she was full term, so it was like, come on. I mean, I think I might have actually, like, certain times looked at Wendy on the couch while we were watching TV and said, just push. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, right? She pushed me, right? So there, we don't really know how long we're waiting. We know that the, here's what we know, the end will come. The end will come. We don't know when. Jesus is giving us an outline. He's saying, hey, here's some things you could be looking at. So that you can tell when the contractions are getting closer, okay? So as, as we're waiting for the end of all things, which is what Jesus is talking about here, we should be watching the news. We should be watching current events. We should be going, oh, oh, I see that. I see that. I see that. I get all that. But for our context right now, as we talk about birthing revival, birthing a move of God in our city, I believe that contractions are getting closer and closer. I believe that we're still waiting. We don't know how long we're going to wait. But these eight things I'm going to give you, these are things that you can do right now while we're waiting on revival. You got, is that a good setup? Okay, here we go. Number one, numero uno. The Spanish will last three numbers and then we'll be done. It's true. I'm sorry, it's true. Um, verse, chapter 24, verse 35. These are all things that Jesus talks about as he's going through his teaching. The first thing you can do is stay committed to God's word. Stay committed to it. He says, heaven and earth will pass away in verse 35, but my word will not fail. (laughs) 
So when we know that his promise is true and we know that it's going to come true and it's going to pass, then the closer the contractions get, the more pain that we feel in our lives, we can focus on the promise instead of fearing the pain, right? Again, I've never given birth. Just I'm hypothetically speaking here. But I do know that focus is a big part of it and what you focus on. And I can't imagine giving birth and focusing on the pain. I can imagine focusing on the baby that's coming and that helping me get through the pain. Again, I'm speaking hypothetically, and women can stand up right now and say, you're an idiot. I am. But what are you focused on? Focus on the promise, because pain points to a promise. Here's the second thing we can do. Um, Jesus starts talking about Noah. So verses uh, 36 through 41 in chapter 24, we can begin to prepare now for what we expect then. I'm sure you know this already, but Noah started building a boat for a flood before there was even something called rain. It was just God said, build a boat. I'm going to flood the earth. And so can you imagine him talking to his neighbors? Well, the reason I'm building this boat is because it's going to rain. And they're like, it's going to what? It had never rained before. Ever. Like they weren't just going through a dry season. It had never rained. And he's building a boat for something that hasn't happened yet. He prepared now for what he expected then. This is why one of the number one bestsellers when you're expecting is what to expect when you're expecting. Because everybody's like, I have no idea what's going to happen, so I need to read this book so I can know what to expect, so I can make changes now, so I can be ready for when it comes in. It sounds confusing, but it's really good logic. And Jesus says, be like Noah. Start preparing now. Put structure in place now. That's the whole reason that we had these, the senior leadership team stand up in front of you. Because I want you to see that as a church, we are preparing now for what we expect then. Because I ask myself these questions all the time. What will it look like when the, when the church doubles overnight? Not because the preaching's gotten suddenly better or the worship's gotten suddenly better, but because he's poured his spirit out and he has called people back to himself. Church, what would we do if right now those doors opened up and every single person that you and I are praying for walked through? our church would collapse in a good way because we don't have structure in place. And so this is part of putting structure in place now so we're ready for the harvest then. We joked early on in this series about how your, your man cave turns into a nursery, right? And I got all kinds of pushback from, like, grown men that want to keep playing games, which is fine. I mean, like, I know there are people in our, they are really good. Like, they hold their kids and they play, and that's cool. Because the baby still has the place of priority, right? The point here is just that things change. When the baby's coming, things begin to change. So prepare now for what you expect then. I don't want to harp on this point too much longer, but this is what keeps us from being crazy. Like, if you're just sitting on your couch eating chips, telling the person next to you how you're going to run a marathon three months from now, they're going to say, wow, what, what training program are you on? I don't think I've ever seen you run. But if you want to run a marathon in three months, you better already be running now. 
prepare now. Verses 42 through 44, um, Jesus says, stay vigilant to keep watching. This is a big one, y'all, because we're so good at starting things and not finishing. I'm not the only person in the room that has read the first chapter of many books, right? We start things, we don't always finish them. And so he tells this parable about keep watching. Like if you knew the hour that the thief was coming, you wouldn't go to sleep. But you're asleep. And now you're open to the enemy. So be vigilant. Keep watching. The end of chapter 24, Jesus tells a a parable about workers who were given talents. And some doubled their talents and one buried the talent. So here's the practical tip as we're waiting. Allow the delay to develop faithfulness more than frustration. Allow the delay to develop faithfulness more than frustration. Right? Now just let's take a mental break. Confession time. How many of you 100% hate waiting? Raise your hand. You just hate it. Like, even us talking about waiting, you're just like, ah, I'm going to throw something, right? Like, this is so hard because the longer the delay, the easier it is to become cynical and frustrated and fearful. And I want you, like, when you study that passage, that parable, it's interesting that the, the, the man who took the talent and hit it in the ground He said to the boss what he really thought about himself. Well, I heard that you were a hard man. No, you are. I was afraid. Yeah, you were afraid, right? So you hid. Man, instead of being frustrated with the delay, I mean, say to God things like, well, I guess there's something else I need to develop. Maybe maybe something else I need to learn. How many times have we prayed that? Oh, God. If this is school, help us learn fast and learn well. We don't want to retake the class, right? So let that delay develop faithfulness. Uh, And in 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 chapter 25, Jesus starts talking about these um, virgins and oil and all this stuff and lamps. And you're just like, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Can I just give it to you straight? Just as you're waiting, stay full of the Spirit. Oil in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit. I don't know where you are on the Holy Spirit journey, right? Like if I say Holy Spirit, you go, weird. Or, yeah, give me some more, right? But we've got to stay full of the Holy Spirit. We've got to stop trying to borrow other people's oil. Get our own, right? When we're full of the Spirit, we're free to be in the right place at the right time. What I think is interesting about that parable is that at the end of the parable, all of the virgins had oil. They had gone looking for some. They came back. They were, they were all in the right place, right? All of them ended up in the right place. But they weren't all in the right place at the right time. Because the ones who were out of oil, empty, didn't have the Holy Spirit, had to go searching for what they lacked. And I'm convinced that there is a a whole generation that is out searching for something that they had always had. 
And if they'd stayed full of the Holy Spirit, they would be in a place when Jesus returned. Y'all, as you're waiting for the promise, stay full of the Spirit. Man, don't, don't just wait on Sundays and Wednesdays. Wake up every single morning. and it's, It sounds weird, right? As you're laying in bed, just go, right now, guys, receive the Holy Spirit. Right? Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Overflow out of my life. Here's number six. Get busy multiplying and less busy maintaining. Get busy multiplying and less busy maintaining. I'm sorry, this is the parable of the talents. I'm so sorry I said it wrong before. What I think is interesting here is that we, we think, well, the last guy, he, he didn't lose what he was given, right? The man's like, here I'm, gonna get, here, I'm giving you one talent, and he was like, I got one talent, sweet. He buried it, and then when the master asked for it back, he went, ta-da. Y'all, keeping what we have is not the goal. That's not the win. Spending what we have in order to multiply the kingdom, that's the goal. And so as we're waiting on revival, get busy multiplying and less busy maintaining. See, I'm, I'm just telling you, I don't sit around at night and pray and think, Oh, God, what can we do to make sure that nobody in here leaves? That's maintaining. God, give us wisdom how we can mobilize, disciple, equip this amazing army that's sitting in these seats every Sunday so that they can then go and and multiply the kingdom. That's the goal. Last two. Um, See and serve Jesus everywhere. This is a really long passage where Jesus talks about sheep and goats and, and being served in prison and all kinds of places. And people are like, when do we serve you, Jesus? And he said, when you did it for the least of these, you've done it for me. When you didn't do it for them, you didn't do it for me. I just want to encourage you, y'all see and serve Jesus everywhere. As you're waiting for birthing revival, see and serve Jesus everywhere. It'll change the way you see the manager at your favorite retail store who won't open up another lane. Wait, I think that might be Jesus. How how can I serve Jesus? Oh, I can wait patiently in this line. Oh, the family behind me that's got that kid that won't stop talking. I think that might be Jesus. I might be in this line because Jesus has me in this line for Jesus. See and serve Jesus everywhere. And then the last one, it's kind of weird, but this is the first few verses of chapter 26. I just thought this was interesting. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, so he's done with all the instruction, right? He said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over over to be crucified. I just thought that was an interesting way to end it, right? Hey, here's some signs. Here's some stuff you can do while you're waiting. And while you're waiting, also don't forget, I'm going to die. And I just, I wrote down, trust the process. Trust the process. That pain comes before the promise. Even death cannot stop what God is wanting to do through us. All right, let's Can we wrap this up? Can we, like, maybe have some music? Our church knows that music makes me stop quicker. 
That's why they're so excited to see the band moving to the front now. Go faster. That's what they're saying. Um, two more verses and then we'll be out. We'll go eat. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 14, verse 13 says this. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And I just felt like God wanted me to remind us that we're living in verse 13. Right? Y'all know that we're in the, the now and not yet. Right? That's what this life is. Like we're living now and then God gives a promise for then. And we're in the now and not yet. And like, ugh. I know what's coming, but it's not, it's not here yet. That's verse 13. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You don't have to stand firm if you've already received the promise. Right? You stand firm while you're waiting on the promise. The baby is coming. Buckle up. Push. It hurts. But the baby is coming. And the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's where we're living right now. And I love this verse in Hebrews. This is how we respond. We continue to wait actively and patiently. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. And we'll, we'll close with this. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. Side note, I used to coach cross country. <laughs> we have flashbacks, right? Like we're all still getting counseling. But this is one thing I remember coaching our team to do. They would run this course. And if you've never run cross country, it's through the woods and hills and all kinds of stuff. And it's, in middle school, it's two miles. In high school, it's three miles. And by the time you get to the end, you are, if you run it right, you are exhausted. And when you see the finish line, it's just like everything in you just wants to go, oh, I did it. I made it. And I can't tell you how many times I would see runners sprint to like almost the line and then just oh, fall apart. Just like we would coach them, don't run to the line, run through the line. Just keep running. And I, my, my favorite runners were the ones who really, like, took it to the extreme. And, like, they would just sprint across the line and keep going and keep going. Come back. Just run through the line. I think it's interesting that the author, the, the author of Hebrews said to show diligence not to the end but the very end. It's like, how bad do we want it, church? Let's run through the line, right? Let's birth all the way through to revival. Let's not stop in the middle. Verse 12, we don't want you to become lazy. And here's the part that stands out to me. But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Y'all, patience, right? Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand and in due time. When is that? We don't know. But as we wait patiently, guess what's going to happen? We know the pain that we feel in that hand when he flips his hand and lifts us up, the pain points to the promise. You've got pain in your life right now. It's an indicator that there's a promise coming. Well, no, it can't be, Paul, because the pain in my life is because of sin. I know. Because when we sin, we have pain in our lives pointing us back to the promise that if we won't sin, we'll have fellowship with him. 
It's all pain, and it all points to the promise. So I'm going to ask you just to stand, and I'm going to ask you to respond. Church culture has made it very hard to say I'm hurting, right? We really just kind of want people to come to Jesus and be good. And, and, and so we, we've gotten better about, like, having empathy for a lost sinner who's hurting. But we don't really know what to do with believers who are hurting, right? And so I'm giving you permission this morning to hurt, to feel some pain. Because that pain is God's, he's reminding you, man, that pain is pointing to the promise. Like those contractions are getting closer, and the closer they get, the closer you are to to the delivery. And so let me just speak to believers first in the room. If you're here and your life right now is marked by pain, then I want to encourage you. I want to give you hope that that pain is pointing you to a promise. And I want to just pray over you right now. And I'm going to ask you just where you are right now in your seat, just to raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm a believer. I got pain in my life. Thank you so much. Anybody else? You don't got to move. I just want you to put your hand up. We're going to pray right now. I'm going to ask the body to be the body. Don't freak out. Just keep your hand up. And if you're near somebody with their hand up, will you just put your hand on their shoulder? And we're just going to pray right now. Just keep your hand up until somebody gets with you. Someone is coming, I promise. And let's just, let's just pray right now. These are our brothers and our sisters, y'all. And the pain they feel, the enemy wants to lie to them and say, this is all it's ever going to be. It's never going to be better than this. Mm, But that's a lie from a defeated foe. Because the pain you're feeling right now is a reminder that God is birthing something new through you. So, Father, right now we just pray, God, over our brothers and our sisters that you would encourage them this morning. That you don't waste our pain. The Bible says literally that you collect our tears in a bottle. It matters to you when we hurt. And you have the perspective we need because you see the promise that's coming through the pain. And so for those that are pushing right now, who are literally giving birth in their lives to visions and dreams and things that you've called them to do, who are standing in the gap and praying for another life to change and simply feeling the pain of labor. I pray, God, that you would give them hope this morning that they are going to see the breakthrough. The promise will be answered because this is who you are. This is what you do. We learned it early on, God. You don't bring us to the point of delivery and not give birth. And so I just speak hope, God, and life into these souls right now. It will not always be pain. Mm. Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I just pray that joy over them right now, God. And that, that what they would lean into is your abiding presence with them. 
that being with you would allow them to endure patiently, God, as they wait in faith and patience for the promise. such a beautiful song that we sang this morning I just want to be where you are such a song of relationship right and when I was in the, the delivery room with Wendy and felt like I had zero to contribute just being near her right hand on the shoulder not passing out it was just being together and can we can we wrap this morning up just with that simple truth I just want to be where you are, right? I just want to be where you are, God. I just want to be, I just want to be with you. Mm. church just sing it out I want to be where you are just you and the Lord right now that um, Joy feels like she's got something from the Lord and Chase as well. And so we're just going to let them share and, and we'll just kind of see where the Lord takes that. Um, and just stay in His presence for a second, okay? Just stay right here. 
Yeah, I literally just told God that if I found the verse, I would share it because I didn't want to get up here. But um, I found the verse. Um, he gave me a verse this morning um, in my time with him, just us. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And here, I, I feel like I'm going to be all over the place, but here's the deal. I live um, near my near people, and often our conversation is wars and rumors of wars, okay? Because that's what's in the world today. It's what's in the news. Yes, we're watching the news. And we hear this, and our tendency is to lean into that, and then all of our talk and all of our everything is negative. And I was just talking to my mom about this yesterday. We have to we have to focus it's our focus is is the difference that's my big word for 2022 is focus but where our focus is is the difference between us and the unsaved and i have fought with a long time like okay how how do i be a testimony in my school okay like in public school where you know jesus christ is not the most welcome person in those buildings but how do I be a testimony? And he gave me this, and he's like been giving me this. Our lives, when we spend time with him, will be marked with goodness and peace and joy. And don't judge me, because I often fall into those that, oh golly, look at what's happening in the world, okay? But when I spend time with Christ, that's what my life is marked with. That's why unsaved and people who are hurting and blah, 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 that's what they see in us that makes them want what we have. That's our testimony. That's good. So listen, just put your hands out like this. Put your hands out like this. I'm going to pray right now. Just goodness, joy, and peace, right? Because that's what our lives are going to be marked with. So Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would mark us with goodness and joy and peace. That while we wait, we would wait differently than others who are waiting. And that people would notice that we have a difference. They would notice goodness and joy and peace and ask us why we have that. And Jesus is the answer to that question. Thank you for it, Father. Fill your body right now. Fill your body right now with goodness and joy and peace. Yeah, come on, Chase. So when he was reading about how you know, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. You'll be persecuted and all this kind of stuff. I've heard it a thousand times, but I, I felt like fear starting to rise up in me. Like my hands were getting sweaty and it wasn't because I've almost drank a pot of coffee today. Like it was like legit, like it was starting to rise up in me. And I was like, you know, God, I, I mean, and we drove ironically with these road references. We drove from Forest City here this morning and you know, guardrails and all that kind of stuff. But if you notice on a highway, there's always indicators. I mean, it's, you know, here's the exit, you know, speed limit. And it's all really meant for your betterment because they don't want you running off the road, hurting somebody else. But, you know, like a turn signal, if your car's ahead of you, puts on this turn signal, lets you know what the intent is and all this kind of stuff. So, and Paul said indicator towards the end of the message. And I felt like I was saying, let fear be an indicator of what you're afraid of losing. When I was back there and I was here and you will, you'll be betrayed by the church, you'll, all these kinds of things, the reason you'll be betrayed and the reason you'll be brought up before kings and councils is because 
there will be people that are afraid of losing things. And God says, you know, if you're not willing to forsake your mother and father, your children, this world, you are not worthy of being my disciple. When he was reading that stuff back there, I was sitting there thinking to myself, if they come in and kill me, that's fine. But then I got thinking about my son. And I got talking about Ellis. That's our son on the way. And I got thinking about Anya. And I was like, man, I, I wouldn't want nothing to happen to them. And that's where the fear started coming in. But God says, look, if you're not willing to lay down the fear of losing them, I can't use you because God just wants us to be, he wants us to be used. And if we're afraid all the time, he can't use us. So if fear is anything, God says, it says, fear not, fear not, fear not. But if you hear stuff like that and fear starts raising up in you, ask yourself, God, what am I afraid of losing? And then ask him, like, God, take that fear away so that I can be used by you. So um, don't fear, but if fear rises up, let it be an indicator of what you are afraid of losing so that you can be used for the kingdom. All right, so let's take care of fear. Put your hand on your heart. Andy Stanley says, pay attention to the tension, right? So when you feel that fear, you feel that tension, pay attention to it. Ask yourself, why, why am I feeling that way? Especially after what we just read, right? When, I, when Jesus said these things must happen, then that means that they must happen. So when they happen, I shouldn't be like, oh, no. Oh, that's what Jesus was talking about. So let's do it. Let's just cast fear out right now in Jesus' name. Fear has no place in our heart, right? It has no place in our soul because perfect love casts out fear. And we are so thankful, God, that you love us completely. You love us perfectly. And that because of that love, there is no room in our hearts for fear to reside. And we cast it down in Jesus' name. We tell it to get out of our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say amen. And somebody give the Lord some praise, okay? Come on, give him one good praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm, yeah, so good. Listen, we have prayer every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock in this space. We'd love for you to come join us. Uh, we'll see you guys next Sunday. And there's